Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Brand new week of the show. Hope you had a nice weekend. Well, Louise... You're smiling today after giving David Sheehan jip on Friday about uh, I am, yeah. predicting a loud win in the GAA match at the weekend. I think we'll have to get him to yeah predict a loud win all the time now. You've got to actually, yes, mm-hmm. uh, get him now to predict a mead loss. No. He predicted a mead loss on, on Friday, remember? Oh yeah, he did. He yes, said loud yeah. the win. Yeah. So that's the way he's got to go in future to mm. get, to bring the bit of luck to uh, mead. Anyway, well done to mead. Tight finish in the end. It was a really tight finish. Excitement towards the finish of the game. I was talking to people who were at the match and they weren't that impressed with the whole thing, to be honest with you. No, I believe not. I was uh, listening at home to LMFM yeah. to call him. Pretty poor Brendan. match. Pretty poor game, mm. is there? But excitement at the end on LMFM radio with Brennan and Gollum. Yeah, uh, goals. In, in the heel of the hunt. Goals and, 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 and tight in the mm. finish. Really, really was anyway well done Mead loud with it all to do now uh, for the remainder of the league to uh, hold on to the status in Division 2 but um, a big lift for Colm O'Rourke yeah am I right in saying that did I hear Brendan saying it was the first win for Mead since last February probably yeah They've well they won the Talton Cup remember yeah yeah, yeah but I yeah, think but he's, it must have been in this in competition the, yeah was in it? the league yeah, yeah. In, in, in the league itself you know so anyway uh, well done to Mead commiserations to loud let's uh Get them all back on track with wins next time round. Now, we're talking about sleep for the next while and late lunch. And, you know, it's something, Louise, that troubles an awful lot of people. And, and you mm. know what I just noticed the weekend? The reason we're talking about it, seems to be a lot of chatter about sleep. Uh, people going to bed earlier, lack of sleep, why they can't sleep. I, I'll tell you, I love the Guardian newspaper. On Saturday, there was a great feature in it. Uh, can I do a quick uh, a quick fire with you here? And I just want to know yes or no, true or false. Is that OK? Yes or no, no true or false. I'm, I'm putting her on the spot here. She knows nothing about this. This is out of the blue. Anyway, um, you should never sleep with a light on. True or false? False. Okay. Um, Teenagers need the most sleep. Oh, uh, uh, true. Okay. Uh, Children dream more than adults. Than adults. Children (laughs) dream more than adults. I'd say true. Okay, should you wake up a sleepwalker? If you meet someone who is a sleepwalker, should you wake them up in the middle of the walk? <laughs> no, just open the front door for them and let them go. <laughs> oh, you're so kind, aren't you, really? The goodness you have. True or false? Never sleep? Wake a sleepwalker. Yes or no? Uh, uh, no. Okay, so that's false, you say? False, yeah. Okay. Very good. We're nearly there. Um, let me see this one here. Sleep deprivation could kill you. True. Okay. Um, you sleep better at weekends. 
I would say true if there's no kind of enough yeah, okay, said. True. It's yeah. true or false. True. Okay. Uh, never sleep in your underwear. Never sleep in your underwear. True or false? Mm, false. Okay. Uh, men sleep better than women. Oh, true. Okay. No conscience. Uh, you swallow eight <laughs> spiders a year in your sleep. False. <laughs> it's ten. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping on your front aids your digestion. Oh, false. Okay. You're doing better. Uh, the hours before midnight count more. Count for more. The hours before midnight count for more than the hours after midnight. I heard this one before. Is it true? Okay. And all beds have bed bugs. Oh, true. <laughs> you did hopelessly. Did is I all do I'll terrible? Tell you. you did absolutely terrible. <laughs> I'm so under, I'll, I can't I'll sleep. come back to this later <laughs> because standing by to talk to us is a woman who is a sleep expert. I'm delighted to welcome her back to the show, Sheena Dunn from CS Sleep. Welcome to Late Lunch again. Hi, I'm thrilled to be here. How are you? I'm you... cracking up here. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that in the Guardian the weekend? I did. I did. Yeah, I'm sure you did because you're all things sleep. I'm sure come your way. I just I've been writing down Louise's answers. Okay, she did hopeless, <laughs> hopeless, <laughs> hopeless. She did. I'm not joking you, Sheena. You probably know this. I'll just run through them quickly so as you'll know. Okay, you should never sleep with a light on. Is true. You said false, yeah. Louise. Okay, that is true, isn't it, Sheena? It really is. The light yeah, is a, is a devil, isn't it? Yeah, it's better to sleep with it off. Unless, like, it's a small baby, a child, you know, the way, and they hate having the lights off, then sure they won't sleep anyway. So, yeah. Some better light, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. now, now what? Yeah. <laughs> the next one teenagers <laughs> need most sleep. Louise said true, but that's actually false. Hmm. I can see why she said true, though. Yeah. So, um, like, teenagers, their circadian rhythm, so they're basically their 24 hour sleep cycle is really different to, like, adults and babies and older people. So mm. all that happens is they basically, they want to go to bed later and they want to get up later. Yes. So everyone, everyone thinks they need more sleep because like on a weekend they can sleep till 12 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean they need more sleep necessarily. It's just that they're doing it at a different time. Yeah. And you know, that's yeah. another thing that appeared the weekend. Gen Z, which are people from the age of 12 to 27, are going to bed, they say, much earlier, even around nine o'clock. I'd say they go to bed to scroll on their phones to keep swiping for about three hours. What do you think, Sheena? Yeah, I would agree. I think, um, well, look, there is a tendency for more wellness and self-care in, in that generation, which is really good. Um, but like if you went to bed at nine and you got up at seven, there's no way they're sleeping that long. Like, um, Yeah, yeah, so, no. Yeah, they're yeah. just going to bed earlier. for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Under the covers with the bloody phone. And that is not yeah. doing you much good either. Now, I did ask you very, uh, Louise, I was disingenuous when I asked you, children dream more than adults because there's no clear actually answer on that one. You said true. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to I'm not going to put that one against you. We leave that one, Sheena. Never wake a sleepwalker. Louise says that's not right, but it is true. Oh, you shouldn't wake yeah. them. Yeah. But actually on the dreams as well. Did you know women can often have better dream recall as well than men? Right. Um, so yeah, they don't fully know if dream, children dream more or less than adults at the moment. But um, the yeah, um, but also they, they think that adults like there's been a study, but it was sort of based more on anxious adults, and they they do have a higher dream bad or poor dream frequency. Um, so adults maybe have more stresses in their lives yes. as a result then can have worse dreams and then women in general can have better dream recall. So right. the two combines um, can create 
this idea that you have worse dreams then as well. Okay. And the sleepwalker, no, don't do it, Louise says, open the front. Well, maybe so, open the front door and let them out. Don't waken them. Do you know, when I was a child, we actually had a babysitter who w- opened up our front door and went down the road and knocked on our neighbour's door in the middle of the night. And she had a knife with her when she was doing it. So this is a very random story, but... um. Sleepwalkers, yeah, so they say never to wake them. And I think the reason behind that is you just don't know how someone's going to react because they're obviously not in yes. a conscious state. Yeah. Um, so you don't know how to react. And you can quite easily just usually sort of bring them back to, to their bed or to their room. But, like, I just would hate anyone to see this rule as black and white. Like, always mm. wake them if there's any danger. Of course, yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. course. You know the way people people see a rule in black and white and go, oh no, I was told never to, um, yes. to wake someone. <laughs> the circumstances dictate. It's simple yeah, as yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But if you can, just pop them back into bed. They generally won't remember a lot of what they're doing anyway. <laughs> they are. Louise is someone staying over. They could be anywhere in the country the next morning. The doors <laughs> open and away they go and God knows where, where, where they'll end up. Give them a packed lunch. <laughs> <laughs> now the other one, and, and Louise got this right for sure, sleep deprivation could kill you. That You, you need sleep don't you do to function properly? Yeah, this, so this is a really interesting one. I think in the paper, what they they um, sort of hark back, you know, Matthew Walker wrote a book um, called Why We Sleep and it, it got a lot of people talking about sleep and I think one of the things he was saying was that we, we sort of are doing this like slow um, self-euthanasia basically on ourselves. So yes. people, people see sleep deprivation could kill you as a black and white thing as in if you don't sleep for 10 days you will then die mm. like they obviously haven't tested humans with that like they i think there was guantanamo bay and various places were doing different tortures but um there there actually was a study on rats where they actually did test it so a lot of sleep medication for example is tested on mice and rats initially right. yeah um, and all of the rats did die like um between sort of 19 to 34 days i think okay um, so it will from that point of view but I think the more interesting point here is actually that your poor sleep over time is causing a myriad of health problems. Yes. So don't look at it as just if you don't sleep for 10 yes. days. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, but if, yeah, yeah. But if, you, if you have poor sleep yeah. consistently, like it affects so many things. Yeah, um, and you, you were actually so. um, in the Times last week with Olive Kyo last Thursday talking about this mm-hmm. sleep deprivation yeah. and our moods, our resilience becoming more mm-hmm. irritable, performance, concentration, all affected by a lack yeah. of sleep. Absolutely. Mistakes that you'll make in work um, and yeah, just your, your memory recall, all of these things, exactly. Yeah. So sleep deprivation, I think it's sort of, they have done some animal studies, but like they haven't put a group of humans in yes. into a lab. <laughs> we sent Louise will volunteer. Well, not that we know anyway. <laughs> You've two volunteers already if you're running that. Uh, but but just yeah. uh, while yeah. you're on that point, uh, on average, for an average adult, how many, many hours do you really need? What, what do you need? Ex- remind us of that again. Yeah, so the, the, the general consensus is between seven to nine hours. Okay. Um, and I think what's really exciting and what I love and so... Um, my focus is all to try and get people talking about personalization of sleep mm. and recognizing that we're individuals and you have different sleep needs. So I try and move away from people who say, I need a 15 minute nap or I heard a 17 minute nap is perfect or I'm getting eight hours. Why, why is this not working? And I say, well, for, sort of forget about all the, those data points yeah. um, and just just ask yourself every day, do I feel refreshed? Mm. Like, and if you can keep doing that, because I think people then actually end up stressing that they're not getting enough when they might be getting enough. Like, yes. 
So they might not be going to bed till 12 o'clock and that actually might be totally fine because they wake up at seven and they're having really delicious sleep for seven hours and that might be perfect for them. So mm. I'd love the conversation to move more in that way around the personalization yes. and the individualization yes. of sleep. But in general, sort of as a, as a marker, it's seven to ten, nine hours yeah. um, for, for adults now. And obviously your sleep needs do change the older you get. So mm. you will wake up more as well um, as you get older naturally um, for like nocturia, which is just the need to go to the bathroom or yeah. just um, just you'll, you'll wake up more because you will have the lighter sleeper in different stages of your sleep. Um, and that's absolutely normal as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, because again, referring back to you last week in the Times, only 14% uh, described their sleep as good. That's very small, isn't it? That's tiny. Yeah, so, that's That's really so, worrying, isn't it? Yeah, so we're actually doing a study at the moment, and I'd love anyone listening. It's on um, siest, S-I-E-S-T, sleep.com. We've got a, a survey there, and there's about 400 people who've done it so far. Um, so I'd love if you go on, and we do monthly prizes and stuff, but um, the, it's to try and get a sense of, like, what are people's sleep patterns like? Because there's not a lot of baseline data um, in Ireland. Mm. Um, and the in, in the study we've done, so, like, yeah, it's a... It's a good enough number at the moment. Um, only 14% are saying they have good sleep. Um, the, it's shocking how poor people's sleep is and how little information they have on it um, and how much people are muddling through. Mm. Like, I think that's the sort of the hardest thing. People are getting two plus nights a week sleep. They're reporting is absolutely terrible. Yeah. They're muddling through. So you're meeting people out and they're just... Like the slower um, reaction times, quicker to anger, you know, no patience, worse yes. driving, all these diff- different things. But um, yeah, Ireland, uh, it's, it's a really interesting time because we, we need to get more sleep education, which is what we're trying to do as a business as well. Mm. Um, and just more understanding of people's individual sleep needs. Yes, yeah. and I like that. Rather than the generic, you know, eight, nine hours or whatever, customise for each person and it make a huge yeah. difference. Come on, folks, get in there and let's hear about your sleep. Cstsleep.com. That's S-I-E-S-T sleep.com. And, and f- get involved in the survey there and, and let's paint the picture of this. Let's go back to the uh, to the uh, weekend uh, newspaper and, 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 and Louise's replies to the survey. Oh, yeah, you, go you, on. Yeah. You, you sleep better at weekends. Louise said true, but it's false. Well, I love this one. So there's another, you know, at, at Christmas, everyone says, why do I always sleep so well in my uh, my childhood bedroom? You know, when people go home to their family homes and stuff. <laughs> yes. And uh, and it is true. You can have this sense of nostalgia. And I think on a weekend uh, as well, people are so relaxed. Yeah. So they just feel like they are sleeping better. That's mm. all it is. Okay. So they're just less stressed, which is why on Sunday yes. nights, people are usually more anxious um, and they are worrying more about the day ahead. So you've got to figure out how to get rid of that worry. But people always feel like they sleep better on a weekend and it's because they maybe don't have to get up at the time that doesn't suit their body clock as well. Yeah. Um, they can get up and sleep in a bit. But mostly it's because they'd have less stress the next day. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. I love the next one. <laughs> and uh, Louise, you got this one wrong too. Um Sorry, Louise. You've done well now. We're getting to the better part of your results this I, I, I'm not a crank, honestly. I've got, I got me nice sleep I dispute the answer to the next one. <laughs> Never sleep in your underwear. Louise says false. The survey here in The Guardian says true-ish. Does that mean yeah, naked no. or pyjamas only? It doesn't say. No. Like, you can wear pyjamas and no underwear. 
or you can just go to bed with no underwear. Yeah, no, you've got to take your knickers and everything else off. So your naked. underwear that you wear during the day and perhaps put something... Do you put something else on? Yeah, let's, it doesn't say. It's let's, very... Let's ask clear Sheena, question. Sheena, come on, Sheena. You're the expert. Yeah, this is um, this is like clickbait at its finest. <laughs> Should women be wearing underwear or not? This is this is what, this is not a topic that I think is uh, is worthy. <laughs> um, I do not mind whether women what what women want to do is uh, completely okay. their choice, okay. and it's absolutely. This is ridiculous, to be honest. <laughs> this is like The Guardian being ridiculous. Um, don't take a word of it. Okay, right. Well, we'll dismiss this you because I'll tell you... Unless you're wearing a corset, you should be able to sleep. <laughs> well, well, can I talk from a man's exactly. point of view? I yeah. jump into bed in me boxers and me T-shirt, whatever oh, I'm my. wearing in the daytime. Great. I come into work the next day wearing the same stuff. <laughs> no, I don't. Stop that. Stop, please. Don't go there. <laughs> Stop you laughing, oh, Miss Louise Walsh, please. There is, there is certain stuff. So uh, say, for example, we have a sleep product and the product is made of a material that's really cooling and mm. it's um, antibacterial and all these things. And that's useful when you're yeah. asleep. So you sleep like cotton or a tencel and these sort of products can be useful and uh, silk, for example. That that can all be useful because it's um, so women for perimenopause and menopause will sleep at a higher temperature. Children are the same; they usually sleep hotter. So definitely, you you should be steering away from synthetics. If you have yeah. if your sleep isn't good, then you need to start thinking about okay, well, what what things could I change and what could I maybe tweak that would work work better for me. Mm. So something like a fresher, like yeah, more cotton based um, or tensile based products would be better, but I suppose I, I'm a little um, like sceptical of like some of the overuse of these are menopause pajamas. You know, it's like really. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, Listen, there's um, the, there's no shortage of people ready to sell you stuff. Oh, yeah, we should like, get one yeah. of your C- CS sleepers uh, to give a hug to when you're sleeping. I, I have to say as well. The, the, you yeah. know the the feedback that you're getting from customers and that they love them. Listen, let's get on to these a little bit further. Men sleep better. <laughs> men, men sleep better than women. Yeah, yeah. But there won't yeah. be a woman in the world who'll deny that. Um, mm. So this, men uh, of no conscience. This, this is really interesting. And what I what I do like about it, look, it's not black and white, obviously. But um, what I do like about this is it gives the opportunity to talk about something like um where women are uh, often underdiagnosed mm. um, in things like sleep apnea, which is a little like ADHD in the fact that it was only deemed for boys. Um, ADHD is now recognised. Uh, all children can have it, um, not all. but um, So sleep apnea now, more women are being diagnosed with it because it, it is prevalent yes. in uh, females. And I think a lot of sort of our sleep information was heavily weighted towards men. Yeah. So, I think it's a it's a useful conversation then to talk about. Okay, there is a little um, there's a there's an imbalance with respect to sleep in terms of the majority of care in the home is being done by women. Yeah. So therefore, they are being having more broken sleep. Mm. This can create more patterns than waking up, which I think the paper might even talk about there. Yes, um, and 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 girls have more to I deal think. with in terms of their biological clock and things like that. Gina Dunn from CS Sleep is with us on late lunch. Now, I'm not going to delay because I know you're rushing off to something else. I'm going to answer a few of them because I only want one more in the Guardian to come back to Sheena. Okay, so uh, you swallow eight spiders a, a year in your sleep. That's false. Louise said it was false. Well done, Louise. There. Um, the other one, sleeping on your front 
aid, uh, front aids digestion. That's false. It's true. And Louise got that one right. And all beds have bed bugs. Uh, false. Uh, Louise says that's true, but it is false. The one I want to pick out is this one, Sheena. The hours before midnight count for more than the hours after midnight. Not mm-hmm. true. This is a funny one because I guess um, people just can't believe this isn't true. So uh, I've, so many people would talk to me about this and I think the reason is for them it's true. So if you ask someone and they're saying this is absolutely true and if I don't go to bed before midnight I'll feel terrible the next day. But the chances are they're what um, you can call so someone who likes to wake up early and go to bed early. So it's called a lark in, in sleep world. Yes. Um, and someone who's an owl or a night owl is someone who generally likes to go to bed later. Um, so if, if you are a lark, um, you probably need to go to bed earlier before midnight. So therefore you would say, like, absolutely, if I get to bed before midnight, I sleep so much better. Mm. So you have a few stages of sleep. Um, and if you go to bed earlier... Um, you will have gone through more of those sort of deep sleep stages like um like REM or like stage stage three um sleep. But I think it's really funny because people who who are la- uh, night owls will say, well, no, it doesn't really work for me. Like I still sleep really well. So it's um it's it's false because it isn't a true fact. You're right. So the hours before midnight don't count more um than the hours after midnight. But for some people, it's really useful to get to bed, be- like at around ten, yes. because they are someone who needs to go to bed earlier. The, the other side of, to this is people who are generally thinking about their sleep and prioritising it, so they're like, "Oh, I have to get to bed before that time, and then I'll feel great the next day." Are usually people who will have better sleep because it's on their mind and they're they're planning their day around how they can get morning light or they can, you know, not eat a heavy, really heavy meal in the evening. Mm. They're thinking about their sleep a little bit more. So therefore, they probably then are sleeping a little bit better. So that's the other the other side um, of it to people who just sort of stay up till three in the morning and yes. they don't have a great night's sleep. Then yeah, we're um, going so to have a few to... different angles on it. <laughs> it's it is, and and, and 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 you're right there. It's that that thing about the lark or whatever or the night owl mm-hmm. is is really key to that one there. Yeah. Um, we're getting lots of reactions. I ain't surprised about that. This one just an interesting <laughs> one before you go. I can't sleep lying down. I have to sit up to sleep. Isn't that a, an interesting one oh, indeed? Interesting. Wow. Isn't that um, very well, interesting? Well, they might have a. Um, some people can feel dizzy, so that can yes. be a problem. Um, so then, if they get a, like a dizzy spell, then it obviously isn't conducive to to good sleep. Um, mm. Or they've created a habit. So sleep is it, it's so easy to create a habit, either a good one or a bad one, with your sleep. Yes. So if you wake up at three in the morning, um, maybe because you're a bit anxious about things but you do something really enjoyable at three in the morning, yeah. your brain is going to be thinking, oh, this is great fun. I'm going to keep doing this. Mm. So maybe that person has has decided and keeps repeating the habit then that they only can sleep in a yes. chair. Yes, yes. Um, and so therefore it becomes like a thing that... That is absolutely true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Sheena, you've been brilliant. Thank you so much. We <laughs> will talk so again much. soon. God bless <laughs> you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Sheena Dunn there from CS Sleep. Fontella Base taking us up to top of the hour at two with Rescue Me. I want to sleep. Rescue Me. Back to the sleep. I work night duty. My sleep is not good. I get three to four hours after a night duty shift and have to get up and collect the children from school, do homework and dinner before going to work for another 12 hours. 
Oh, God, that ain't good at all, is it? Really is. Three to four hours ain't enough. I'm sorry for your plight. I, I don't know what I can say to you. We're going to bring Sheena back to uh, talk in more detail about sleep soon on late lunch. Sleepwalking, says Trina in Dundalk. I heard before, Jerry, that uh, to counteract sleepwalking, if you could put water in their way or on the floor or whatever, it wakes people up. Just a, a comment to your show. Loving the show uh, as usual this afternoon. Nice to hear from you, Trina, on the show. Um, hi, Jerry. I turn on my left side and go to sleep. Yes, I wake up on my right side. Well, we all toss and turn during the night, don't we? Uh, we were talking about having the light on or off. There are many people like a little bit of light at night time. I know that leave it lit on the landing of the hallway or in the ensuite, perhaps. Uh, Jean says, I sleep better, much better with the light on. There's another one as well saying, um, I-, I like to have some light on while I'm sleeping as well. And especially if I'm travelling the next day, I do leave the-, the light on to make sure I wake up. Thanks indeed for all those comments we always love to hear from you on the show now I'd love to know if any of you out there have ever had a special affinity with a car you know a car that you loved but when it went, you were very, very sad to see it go. Have you ever had a car like that? I've had many a car during my lifetime. And when the time came to change them, I changed them all right. I suppose my greatest affinity was my first ever car. The little mini SIY 211. Little claret mini it was, as my mother called it then. The Sputnik. She was always afraid of her life when I was out driving. It was the first car was ever in our family, ever in our home. I had it. I loved it. I have a great affinity for that car for sure. Over the years, perhaps not so much. But have had. Have you had a car that you really were gutted when you actually sold it or traded it in or get got rid of it? Let me know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. My next guest is feeling those pangs of emotion at the moment. Amanda Gilson, and welcome to Late Lunch. How are you? I'm grand, but I think you're crying. Have you the tissues? <laughs> have you the tissues beside you there, Amanda, at the minute, have you? Oh, stop, I do. I do. And I've gone through boxes of them in the last week. Oh, no. What's the, yeah. what, what, what's the story with your car? What, 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 what were you driving? Uh, it was a little Kia Soul. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But it died a painful death last week and it just it had to go. How many years had you got it for? I only had it for six years, but, you know, it owed me nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was the best car I ever had. And a Kia, what did you say? Was a Kia what? Soul. Soul. A Kia Soul. Mm. Was it Was it big? A little car? What size? It was like a little box. Ah, Right. Yeah. And would it would little. it would it bring four? Would it fit four people? Yes. No problem. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There's many people. <laughs> well, more than four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won't talk there. Anyway, I understand. You can pack them in. I know the story now. Legally, you should have them all in and belted. We have to be serious on that one. But I know what you're saying. So listen, Amanda. Six years is a good stint with a car. Now it really is. It's a good time. You've you've had it a while. Uh, yeah. You know that. I think the thing about it is it becomes so much more than just a car. Yeah. It's more than just getting the kids to school and going in and do the shopping. It's it's the teen girls singing Oasis in the back seat and it's the chats with the little boy when he's having a bad day and we go and I drive to nowhere in particular. It's, you know, it's the amount of stories and poems that come into my head when I was just driving along and I'd have to pull over and 
write whatever or whatever was there and you know it was yes just the tears that were shed in it it was god it was it was it was a hu- it was a huge part of me and it was an escape and i look out into an empty driveway now and yeah yeah i am yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at your car here, the Kia Soul. I know it now. Yes, I'm seeing it here. I just checked it out in my phone. Yeah, she's she's pretty straight down at the back. You know what yeah. I mean? It's ah, yes. I'm with you now. I'm looking at it here. I guess it'll take four no bother and four hefty people as well. To be honest with you, um. So yeah. you, you you know you lived a lot. You live, and we all do. When you're busy, you drive here, you drive there. You have things to do in your life. It's been like. Another arm. It's been part of your life for six yeah. years. Yes. And it's gone Absolutely. now. Oh, no. And was it, had you a car before this one? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a safe. Okay. I needed a fuel tanker behind me driving that one. <laughs> you're, not, you're not smiling saying the way you said that there. <laughs> that one's not in, that's not in your mind's eye at all, to be honest with you, the, the say it for sure. Um. Had, did you give the car a name? Do you know the way people have names on cars? Had your car a name? No, by any chance? Uh, no, no. Right. I, did, I didn't, didn't give her a name, no. Okay. She was just the soul and, and yeah. it does feel like a little part of my soul is gone yes. now. Yes, <laughs> yes, now I see it. Soul by name and nature. Your soul has gone away and and you're left <laughs> devastated uh, at this stage. But look, when, when you think of, of it again... What would it be for journeys, short journeys, long journeys? Did you take it to the far side of the country, north or south? Did oh, it travel far? Yeah, that car brought me down to a writer's retreat in Dingle and brought me, oh, yeah, everywhere and anywhere. There was nowhere I'd go in that car. And and you mentioned there, I know I know you mentioned a couple of times there about, you know, your thoughts and uh, your writing because you are a writer. You've been writing from a very young age, haven't you? I have, yeah. It's just something I've I've always done. Putting pen to paper was as much part of me as talking was. Mm. And and of course, uh, writing has uh, brought you a long way in your life too. Tell me about this. Did you do a creative writing course? Was that a significant thing when you did that? Well, I'm currently doing it. Um, oh, at the minute. Oh, I see. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, minutes on Thursday evenings. It's with John McKenna, and yes, oh, it's fantastic. But I already had a novel written before I started it. Okay. So I'm now working on my second novel. Oh, very good. And and a lot of the thoughts for this was in your soul. I mean, the four wheel soul. soul. Yes, all yeah. happened happened in there. And the big news is with you, Amanda, is that you're your book called One for Sorrow has been picked up by a major publishing house in America, Chicory Press. Congratulations. And it's going to be published later this year. It is, yeah. It's going to hit the shelves uh, late summer, hopefully. And um, it's just going to be absolutely amazing to hold a copy of it in my hand. There'll definitely be tears that day. Oh, there will. Can you give us a little uh, taster for what One for Sorrow is about? Well, it's set back in the 90s in Ireland, of course, and it follows Jane throughout her childhood and adolescence. And she's trying to navigate life with an alcoholic mother and uh, a very protective older brother who also has demons of his own to face. And it's a story of love, resilience, and a young girl who just sees the best in everyone, even amongst heartache and a lot of trauma. So it's a hard read, but it's it's 
hopefully a nice read and mm. um, I, I've got some good feedback from it already, you know. Yes. So. And it's great to be picked up by a publishing house that's going to publish it uh, for you, which is fantastic because it's hard today to get the, uh, become published. There's a lot of self-publishing going on and fair juice to anyone who does that as well. Uh, but to get a publishing house like Chicory Press in the States is a real, real achievement. We look forward to that. So you are, you're, you're um, a homemaker. You have two children, is it? Yes. Yes, the and boy and the girl. How are they feeling about the soul leaving you? Um, I think my daughter was more concerned that I took her away for CDs out of the glove compartment, and my son is hoping for a Tesla, which isn't going to happen. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tell him when Mammy's book is published and it's number one bestseller. Well, there <laughs> might be a chance of doing a deal with Tesla at that stage. Oh, God, and even at then, I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, you're betwixt and between motors at the minute, are you? You're, I am, you're yeah, mulling around what you have moment. to do. Okay, well, you haven't made your mind up yet what route you're going in, but that, that will happen for sure in due course. Well, listen, uh, put the tissues away. Morning over, book to be published, <laughs> other car on the way. Come on, Amanda Gilson, it's all happening for the Core Town crew this afternoon. Yes, Core Town is your home base, isn't it? It is originally. I'm I'm living in Kells now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, okay. I just want to tell your listeners as well that I run a writers group in Kells on oh, Wednesday evenings. Yeah, called Aspired Writers. So if anyone wants to pop along, they're more than welcome. Where's it on? In the parochial hall in Kells Town. What time? 7pm. There you are. And this woman will be there and you can meet her and she'll give you a hand. She's a good writer. A hell of a good writer herself. Published and uh, involved in learning more about the craft herself. Well, listen, I hope your soul returns soon. Not the one that you've lost, sadly, but <laughs> something else with four wheels that'll get you here, there and everywhere. M- Amanda Gilson, thank you for talking to us on Late Lunch today. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Bye. There's a message in there. Uh, Louise had a lovely little Renault Clio. Absolutely devastated uh, to give it up. Only had it a couple of months. Upgraded then to a Dacia and didn't take to it at all. Uh, Updated to another Clio and loving it. Uh, Still thinking of my own Renault from time to time. There you are. Someone who loved the Renault Clio. What was your little Yaris? Amazing. Do you remember the registration? Mm, I remember the 05MH <laughs> bit. I don't remember the last five digits. Louise. I uh, know, I'm sorry. I, don't I never, on. I'm terrible at that. I was have to out, filling the insurance out and everything. Maisie, you called her, did you? Yes, Maisie. Yeah, I've, I know someone who has a car called Betsy. Oh, yeah, Betsy. Yeah, it's a nice name for a car as My well. My aunt used it? to have one called Jenny. Oh, there you are. They're all, they all seem they're to all, be female. They're all girls' names. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. How long had you the little uh, Yaris for? 13 years. By God. She owed me nothing. There is. You know. Put up with my driving. I know, man, this was six. And and six years, you know, nowadays, people, you know, are tending to change cars more frequently. Mm. Uh, But 13 years. Yeah, she owed me nothing. And I was absolutely devastated. I was dead. I know I was getting a lovely new car and it was lovely. But I was devastated getting rid of her Just with all our it. dents and bumps yeah. and yeah because yeah. I mean you have a car for 13 years you bring your kids home in it the joys yes Um, I think I learned I went back to the car and I cried after I had a miscarriage I broke every speed limit on the way to Navin to try and 
uh, say goodbye to my daddy. Um, just so many highs and so many lows. Got, I got my uh, driving test. Yes. So loads and loads of emotions for people with cars, absolutely, I think, anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Loads and loads. Mm. Oh, I have a lovely message there. I'm going to come back to it after this short break. Stay with us on your late lunch. Just forget the world. Snow Patrol and chasing cars on late lunch this Monday afternoon. And we've been talking about cars uh, in the last while on the show. I had a Starlet for 13 years until the year 2000. Now I have a Yaris going into its 24th year, says John. Isn't that fantastic? And we taught our Louise at... How many years had you yours? 13, was it you said, as well, yeah? 13 years, yeah. Your 13, car. yeah. Yeah. So they are going into its 24th year. Wow. We're going to follow up on these. There's another beauty there, isn't there? On uh, It's coming to us on WhatsApp. Angela has a Mini Cooper. Uh, she calls it the Pocket Rocket. Thank you for that. Um Francis Smith in Dundry. Look at that one, Louise. Mm, fantastic. Oh, isn't it beautiful? Little Red Mini that he restored during lockdown. I'd be happy to talk to you one day about it on the show. We will talk to you, Francis. We will for sure. Thank you so much for getting in touch with us. Now, talking about nostalgia and anniversaries. Do you remember this? It's celebrating its 50th birthday. Have a listen. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Ah, oh, do you remember it? Do you, Louise, you hardly remember it. Do you remember Bagpuss? I do. Do you? Yeah, just vaguely I do, yeah. I was only a tot, but I do, yeah. Emily loved her. Well, it was created by Peter Furman and Oliver Postgate, right? And I was just reading the weekend that Peter Furman's daughters, one of them was called Emily. And mm, that's what that little girl from. is based on. And they still have the cat. Did you know that the cat was pink and no, white? No, I, I was surprised at that. I can't remember the cat was pink and white. Pink and white cat, yeah. I'm thinking maybe it was because we maybe we had black and white TV, but I don't know. I don't know. I just cannot, cannot remember it being pink I'd say you're right. I'd say you're absolutely right because it was made back. Uh, it was first broadcast on the 12th of uh, February, 1974. And the final, epi- the final edition of it was the 7th of May, 1974, because they only made 13 episodes ever of Bagpost. Mm, that was they it. obviously repeated it. Oh, listen, it's been brought out generation after yeah. generation. It's reappeared and it's, it's alive again mm. in 2024, which is fantastic to hear. What mm. was the name of the bookend? 
Okay, so I'll tell you who was in it. Bagpuss was the stuffed cloth cat, uh-huh. uh, pink and white. Uh, there was the six mice, okay? Yeah, I love them. Uh, yes. The the ragdoll was Madeline. Oh, yeah. And Gabriel was the toad. Oh, yeah. Was the toad. Oh. And your favourite, Professor Yaffle, the wooden oh. woodpecker. You didn't like him. No, I didn't you like him. You didn't like him at all. Anyway, the mice, you, you hardly, I didn't know. The name of the six mice were Charlie, Jenny, Janie, Lizzie, Eddie and Willie. They were the name of the six mice. And you know what? Just for you in late lunch land today, have a listen to this. Do you remember the mice? Here we go. Yeah, that is nothing but a rotten old bottle. There may be something inside it, but I can't see what it is because it's too dirty. scrubbed and polished the bottle until it shone. Then Professor Yaffle could see what was inside it. Ah, oh, memories, memories. The mice were great, weren't they? I loved them, the yeah. I see them running around the yeah. place, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the magical uh, organ. Do you remember that? I don't know who played Who played that. One of them played that. I can't remember them which. I don't remember that. Anyway, uh, it was and is and will always be a classic uh, mm-hmm. children's TV show. And it is back and it is in the news and we just loved it. 13 of them. I remember it. I remember it well back then. It was magical. See, Do you remember the cat being pink? Yes. Do but you? Yes, because... Oh, you been rich. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. We knew a fella called Francie Finless, a legend in Drogheda Circles, TV aerial man. Get your pole to put up your aerial... No, I wouldn't know where it came from, but he'd arrive with it and put up the aerial... Want a television? He brought the first little colour television into our house. A little small, like a portable now, Louise. Mm. But it was in colour. So we actually saw bedpots in pink and white back then. <laughs> One of, now, don't ask me what it was like quality-wise, but that was it at that stage. That's the only reason we knew, because Francie was on the doorstep. Lord immersed him. He was a great, great character. Now... We move on in late lunch, break on the way and afterwards we meet a Dundalk man called James Redmond and he's taking on something really challenging. Look at that picture of the Ford Cortina. Oh my word, what a wonderful car that somebody has out there and more besides. Thank you indeed for getting in touch with us on the show. Now my next guest is uh, about to take on a huge challenge. It's one of the most gruelling challenges in the world. It's an ultramarathon across the Sahara Desert. It's called the Marathon des Sable and it's taking place this April and I'm delighted to welcome to the show a man from Dundalk working abroad at the moment, James Redmond. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks very much for having me on. None at all. Thank you for joining us on the show. I'm intrigued by this challenge you're taking. 12th to the 22nd of April. Just tell our listeners what it involves, please. Okay, so as you said already, uh, it's a a multi-day ultramarathon. So um, kind of my timeline is to to fly to Marrakesh on the 10th, then get transported from Marrakesh to a smaller village, and then on the 12th, and the food sustainability, our self-sufficiency begins. Um, we have to carry all of our own gear from the 12th until it will really self-sufficiency finishes then on the 21st or early on the 20th. Um, 
effectively, we travel into the Sahara Desert and there's what are called Berber tents established every night. But aside from that, we run stage to stage. So we run day one, stage one, kind of 31, 31 kilometers. Then it kind of goes 40. In total, it, it totals to 252 kilometers over seven days. And um, yeah, again, it's um, the, the Sahara Desert. So temperatures in the past, this is the 38th edition of this event. Temperatures in the past have hit 56 degrees uh, by day. And it can hit down at night, zero degrees. And um, some years there's been severe sandstorms. So the conditions are fairly extreme. And then um, on top of that, yeah, you're carrying your own gear and you're having to um, kind of complete these distances every day. And the longest of the distances this year will be 85.3 kilometers. And that will be on the, the third stage. So, um, yeah, training for this. I'm training, I'm living in Germany at the moment, so training is pretty tough to try and get these conditions. Um, winters in Germany, and this year we got hit by extreme snow, um, the conditions are very cold, so the first couple of weeks I was training kind of minus 15, minus 10 degrees here, mm. and when it's in the back of your head that you're going to be competing in, on average, best case scenario, 30 degrees, and um, yeah, it's 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 quite hard. It's a big difference, isn't it? It's a big difference, James. Yeah. James, I'm just thinking here, um, could be doing much handier things between the 12th and the 22nd of <laughs> April this year and I'm wondering did you fall out with yourself what happened <laughs> uh, I've kind of always I suppose I've always had a love for endurance events really um, I was playing sport from an early age when I was a kid and I've always been running and I think rowing probably is what started me on extreme endurance events um, during university I'd done a bit of rowing and I think you really started to see for um, for fitness just how far you could push yourself. And yes. when I moved, um, when I finished university, I moved to Oxford, done a bit more rowing, but then moved to Germany and there wasn't a rowing club close to me. So I started kind of working on running more and then began doing marathons. And um, yeah, I suppose I've just been working on reducing my marathon time and I've got it down pretty low at this stage. And um, I began doing some ultras, but I, I don't know, it, it feels... Um, it feels amazing, kind of, to keep pushing the limits and see what's yes. possible. And there were always things people would say, "Oh, if you lift weights and you've got some muscles on you, you won't be able to do long distance running. That won't work." And yeah, there is a way around this if you plan well enough. I think there's mm. a way of doing a lot of things. So, um, yeah, this has always been a bit of a dream. Then this was always in my head at the back: could you get yourself fit and strong enough that you could take this on? Fantastic! So, it's fantastic. Like, never. Yeah, on a serious note, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful challenge that lies ahead of you. And I know you're working so hard in different type of conditions. You know, when you mentioned the snow and the cold, yeah. to what you'll be facing, nearly the other extreme uh, when you actually uh, go to Morocco to do this. You mentioned you've been doing other stuff, and and I know you've did New York uh, there, the marathon there. Have you have you yeah, done many yeah. marathons per se, or or you uh, know this six, yeah. Ironman stuff, any of that type of thing? Not Ironman, no. Um, right. I think the swimming has never massively appealed okay. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, like I can swim. I won't run, but I yes. don't fully enjoy swimming. Right, And right. Um, Like I really do enjoy running. Like I, I love what you see. I guess the training has you up early in the morning before work. And this is probably what Rowan really started too, that you were out of bed at 5 and 5.30 and you were kind of up when the world's asleep and you just mm. see such beautiful things. Yes. And, and you get very used to doing it and... 
when you're up in the world's quiet, I guess you can get a lot done. And I've just always really enjoyed this. And um, yeah, so to answer your question, I've done six regular marathons Very and good. Then one ultra marathon in the Good on you. Good on you. So, you know, you are a man who's tackled extremes in the past and have been successful. Like that. But you haven't had to carry your own accommodation or your dinner or all that type of stuff, no. which uh, no. as, as you as you go along, you know, with this, this a one. It's challenge in itself. It yeah, certainly is. And there's no really dry run for it. Yeah, there's no dry run as such. You know what I mean? You're going to go there and take it, yeah. take it on, on on the day. Um, yeah. As you say, when you fly out there, are you on your own? Do you know, is there anybody else doing it with you? Are or are you a solo traveller when you take this on? Um, I, I signed up to do it myself. Okay. Uh, the organisation's very good with putting in contact with people from your own yes. country as such. So initially I was put in contact, I was put into a WhatsApp group with actually German and Austrian guys. I had since got chatting to an Irish group, but I think it will just make more sense um, just when you're totally fatigued and tired to be in with a group of Irish lads. So yes. um, I think when it comes to the, like the tents, you're allocated kind of a group and you will bunk with these guys for the duration of the event. So I think I will be in actually with a group of Irish lads. Good. Good. So, is, uh, yeah, uh, you know, good. they'll understand the crack and they'll pull you along and you know yourself. You're better <laughs> exactly, being on, on yeah. home territory when you're out there facing facing so. these extremes. Yeah. Tell us a bit about yourself. You're from Dundalk. You're working with BMW there as an engineer in Germany. I'm dying yeah, to ask you yeah. this question. Do you mind if I ask <laughs> this question? I take no, it you're driving it. a BMW. I am. Yeah, I've always been a big fan. Of Have you? Kid, yeah. Really. So, um, yeah, I've kind of had, had a few different ones. At the moment, I drive actually... This year, 20 years old, um, an E46 M3. It would be a 2004 M3. It's an older model, but um, yeah, I absolutely love this. So that's kind of my hobby. Um, through work, we have the availability of cars through the car scheme, like um, the more modern uh, BMWs that we're developing and working on. Yeah. Um, but I live quite close to work, so um, I, I just drive away at my own car, and mm. um, we always have access to the cars here if we need them, which is a bit of a luxury. Yes. How long, are you, um, how long are you with BMW? How long are you out there? How long have um, you... Since I began in Oxford in 2015, actually developing the electric Mini, and done that between 2015, then came to Germany in 2016 as an expat until 2018, and then returned to Oxford for the start of production for the electric Mini. Once that went well, then I localised here, so I transferred out in 2019, and then I'm based here full-time since then. 2019, so yeah, good stuff. Cooling systems now. Yeah, oh, excellent. Uh, that's that's gas, you know, because we've we've a little red mini we bought there in in uh, September time, but uh, it's a little petrol job at the minute, so it is. And yeah. uh, now that you've worked on the electric, should never miss an opportunity, Kelly. Um, <laughs> what about the electric mini? Well, would you give it huge thumbs up compared to the petrol or whatever the hybrids? I would, in, in terms of the whole debate about petrol, diesel, electric. I think the the general customer for the Mini is somebody who does not have any kind of issues with range anxiety, driving the car 300 miles end to end of a country. It's typically people who use it for short journeys. Yes. And I think in that respect, it is the perfect city car, though this has been. And as an electric vehicle, it functions perfect because you're never going to have this issue of, of doing a long commute where you're at risk of... yes making it to a charge station or anything like this. Uh, the performance is fantastic. Uh, it has all of the same features as the Mini you have and love, I'm sure. And um, 
Yeah, it's, it's very nippy. And for an electric vehicle, I think it's quite affordable for such a stylish little car. Yeah. No, I think it's a winner. I love it. Good man. Good man. There you are. I'm sorted out for the years to come. Not that, <laughs> not that we'll be doing anything in the short term, but it's good to know that as well. The only only thing while well, you're on with me with the Mini, <laughs> our brake lights are union jacks. <laughs> the, the, the brake lights on my Mini, are when you, they light up, they light up as a union jack on the back of the car. And you know, yeah. as as a man from Dundalk and myself a man from Drogheda, you get plenty of flashing lights and fellas <laughs> pointing at you and things like that. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Back to, <laughs> back, back to you, James. Um, before BMW, where did you, you grew up in Dundalk? Did you study there? Just give us a little yeah, bit of yeah, a feel yeah. for um, you, yeah. Yeah, I grew up, um, grew up in Dundalk. Was, as I said before, I was a massive, massive BMW fan. It was always kind of trying to figure out, I guess, where where and how you would get into BMW. So I'd worked for Michal McKeown as like a BMW technician. Oh, for, lovely man, yeah, lovely years, man. We know him well. Yeah, we know absolute, him well. He's a gent. A big hello to Michal. Yeah. yeah. He's an absolute legend of a man. And yeah, so that's kind of really where, I guess, Michal McKeown's help and exposure to BMW technical training courses. I went on many technical training courses in Plant Oxford. And I guess I had an older brother who he kind of went to university with all the way, degree, master's, PhD, and he'd always said to me, he'd applied to do mechanical engineering. Why, you know, why don't we give that a bash? And then when I'd done some of the training courses in Plant Oxford, you saw that everybody working there, that's who to wear, that's how to wear there, the mechanical engineers. So I decided then that's the, the route I would pursue. So then I finished with McKeown's and started into, yeah, the university path. And um, then... As that came to an end, the obvious goal was to apply to BMW, and um, yeah, thankfully it all worked out. Fantastic, isn't it? Isn't it a small world? You know, you and Indeed, Michal, yeah. and we know Michal well. And I remember meeting him years ago myself in another life altogether. And then he's been a guest of mine on the show here on a couple of occasions. He's a, he's a great, he's been a fantastic supporter for this um, for this event I'm running now. Lovely, I was speaking to him yesterday. Yeah, so. Lovely. Ah, that's great to hear. It, it yeah. really, really is. So look at your, you know, it's in sight now. The year moves around quickly. We're the 19th of February. You ain't going to feel this coming round now. I'm sure you're, the, the adrenaline is rising and you're looking forward to this. Yeah, like at the time and plan, that, as you say, it seemed so far away. It was always so far away. And if somebody asked how far out, and you're always in double digits. It's so many weeks, so many weeks. And then last week, it kind of passed into nine weeks and now eight weeks. And um yeah, just looking at even simple things. You talk about food and trying to establish exactly what food you're bringing. And a lot of stuff needs to be ordered, like dehydrated foods and things like this. So, yeah, looking at just delivery times for things, you realise you need to get on it. There's still a few orders to be made and um, sleeping bags and sleeping mats and some case I still need to track down and get. So, yeah, it's going to fly by. And in parallel now, I'm kind of running them. I got a charity set up, so... I'm trying to um, get collections in order for this, and this kind of seems to make time run by even faster because we're trying to get this together because the end date on the collection is the 22nd. As soon as the event finishes or such, the, yes. the charity will uh, finish up. So I'm trying to get this circulated also. So, you're busy, you're busy, busy. Is it busy. okay for me to give a shout-out? Yeah, no, I want charity? you to do that because I know you've created a fundraising page uh, for yeah. medical aid uh, for Palestine. Yes, go on ahead. Super, yeah, thanks very much. So yeah, I, I guess as the as the title really says, it's um yeah, it's a charity that was set up. It's in operation over thirty years. It's um yeah, really supporting healthcare needs of vulnerable Palestinians. 
I think everybody can agree the situation is absolutely horrific. And Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, there's no really on this one, there's no donation too small. And the response has been absolutely insane. I've had great help from Kieran Fisher, a good friend, to set this um, to set this page up and get the Just Given page in motion. And since Friday, it has really racked up phenomenal support and just wildly generous contributions. In the past, if, if somebody donated 10 euro, you thought, oh, thanks a million, 20, mm. fantastic. There's, there's all sorts of amounts going into this. Terrific. And I, th- I, th- I think it kind of reflects people's opinion on the whole situation. And, I mean, I see recently that Dublin footballers have come out in support as well for Palestine. And um, on that note, I guess I hoped, I've seen in the past from many different charities and funds and companies step forward and agree to match the funds that would be raised by somebody. So I would like to appeal to any companies out there I mean, there's a lot of massive U.S. tech companies in this country, and it would be fantastic if somebody would come forward and agree to maybe match whatever we could put together with this medical aid for Palestinians, if they would maybe match this, or if there's anybody out there listening that would be interested on any level in getting involved to support this, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. And, um, and again, remind I, listeners where they can contribute. Yeah, you can follow. I have... Just given link, I'm not sure. Is it possible, Jerry, to share through show notes, or if I yeah, well, if you just yeah, you? yeah, well, just mention it now here with me, and then we'll see yeah, what we yeah, can do so beyond that. Go ahead. On Instagram, you can find me on them. Um, it's called Marathon Strong, and the link for donating is in the bio. Uh, this page is open for all to see. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I can also share the Just Given link directly uh, with yourself. Okay, great. And yeah, as I say, any support at all, greatly appreciate it. Google this man, Marathon Strong, it is on Instagram. Marathon Strong for sure. And Medical Aid for Palestine is the charity chosen uh, by James, uh, who is undertaking this unbelievable challenge, uh, the most difficult in the world from the 12th to the 22nd of April. Do you mind when you're finished, we'll come back to you and you can reflect on how it's yeah, been for you. Is that okay yeah. in late April, early May, if that's okay? We'd, we'd love yeah, to talk to you again. Through it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you've Super. been through it that thanks stage. Thanks James, thanks for joining me today on the show. Appreciate just, it. Uh, a big hello to my parents, Anne and all Redmond, and my brother Luke and my girlfriend Lena. Hello to all today. Tuned in and listening <laughs> to the man himself, James Redmond, on Late Lunch. God bless you. Take care of yourself. Look, thanks very much. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, somebody on to us there, children with night tremors, any advice? We will come back to uh, Sheena Dunn on the sleep thing, I promise you. Um, Daniel Whiffen, Louise, did you see uh, or did you read or hear or oh, whatever the news? sportsman. Yeah, the swimmer. Mm. His second gold medal for Ireland at the World Championships. God, he's well set that for the Olympics mm. now in Paris. Two, not one, but two medals, you know, for little old Ireland in the pool tremendous well done to him congratulations it's a fantastic achievement so we have a big Where medal is he from? Uh, no he's from uh, the north of Ireland so oh, he is he from is. The north? yes he is and uh, he's all set now for Paris and please God we'll medal in the pool there um, and uh, he's a great guy he really is and fantastic to see the Irish flag going up there as a big winner in Doha over the weekend uh, I was out in the garden yesterday and you know when, you, when you're when you not out that often I sort of hibernate for the winter Louise 
talk about sleep earlier on. I well, with the weather, you had no winter. choice, I, really. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't do much of that. But anyway, starting to get back out in the garden the last few weeks. So I was out yesterday and I had a couple of little miniature a- apple trees I wanted to move. They were in the wrong place altogether. And I got another one that pollinated with them. You know, with apple trees, you need mm. other trees that will pollinate. They, they, You know, if you have the same trees, they won't pollinate. You won't have apples on them. There's different groups of apple trees. All right. And you need one from a different group to pollinate others. Okay. You understand? Mm. Are you with me? Are you yeah, with I am. Me? Yeah, Are I you actually with me, am. As they say? Yeah. Yes. So anyway, I had one. I, I have two Cox's orange they're called Cox's Orange Pippin apple mm-hmm. trees. I, I used to have them in another house I lived in many moons ago. Two little ones and I had to get a James Grieve. James Grieve is the name of the pollinator mm-hmm. that matches with those two. So I was putting them in yesterday. But geez, when you're not used to digging fair-sized holes and putting in trees, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I have pains where I've never felt them before after yesterday. Anyway, I'm getting back into the swing of it now that spring is opened up. Isn't it great to see the light, though? You really can see the light now coming, uh, the extra bit in the day. It is simply wonderful. I love this time of year. And the daffs, see the daffs on the way in at LMFN there. They're blooming early now, but they're up there. There's loads of them on, and they're really on the way now, following on from the snowdrops. It's a great time of year. Coming up after three and late lunch, frogs have your frogs in your ponds we need to know we're talking about it on the show and I have a brand new artist of the week for you but taking us up to top of the hour 3 o'clock on this Monday afternoon I love this one it's a razor and a little respect I try to discover This is why I love doing what I do. You know, in a day on this show, when you make one person smile, lift one person's spirit, if, it, if that only happens, it means so much to me, I have to say, because listen to this. We reminded you that the children's cartoon Bagpuss was celebrating its 50th birthday this year. And Christine says, Bagpuss, Jerry, I've been ill for a while, but today you've brought me back to a time of happiness with my mum and dad. Isn't that just lovely? That's, you know, I go home today and I have a pep in my step when I hear that. I'm delighted, Christine. I'm sure it lifted the spirits of others as well to remember a time of youth and joy and innocence. Yes, indeed. Thank you for your lovely comment to the show this afternoon. Now, almost ten past three. Time for this and late lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Ah, look, I just had to go back to him. He's released his first song after 17 years. You know I love him. He's my artist of the week. Mr. Billy Joel this week. And, you know, I was just looking at his repertoire songs. So that man could play two concerts in a row and all the songs would be different. So how do I pick five this week? Well, I'll tell you in a minute how I'm going to pick them. He was born William Martin Joel on the 9th of May, 1949, in the Bronx, New York City, before moving to Long Island with his parents when he was just a baby. He was only one at the time. His family on his dad's side were German-Jewish who eventually made it to the States via Cuba. On his mother's side, she was uh, from a Jewish family born in New York, but her family just a generation before had moved to New York from England. Billy himself, not Jewish, went to a Catholic school, professes to be an atheist, we believe, today. Anyway, going back to when he was a little fella, he began piano lessons when he was just four years of age and his mother insisted that he learn the uh, piano. Good mammy, I have to say. 
He also was a proficient boxer. You know this as a young man. He was a brilliant amateur, winning 23 bouts in a row before he got his nose broken. He's a pudgy nose, hasn't he? Hasn't he? Uh, yeah, that's back to the boxing when you look at him. And after that 24th bout, well, really, he drifted from boxing at that, that stage and hung up his gloves. Thank God. His parents split. Billy played the piano in local bars and pubs, if you like to call them in the States, to support his mother his sister and himself. And because of the playing, he played, you know, into the wee hours of the morning. He actually missed graduating from his high school in the late 60s because he was gigging the night before, slept in and missed the crucial exam that prevented him from graduating. And he didn't. He said, good scramps to all that. I'm following a music career. And the rest is history. But here's a footnote. In 1992, 25 years later, he submitted the essays that he'd missed in the late 60s to Hicksville High School and he graduated. He went to the graduation ceremony all those years later. Isn't it a great wee story? Anyway, how am I going to pick the songs this week? He has so many. Well, I'm going to stray off the beaten track and play some Billy Joel songs for you that you mightn't be familiar with. Today... I begin with a song off his very first album. It was called Cold Spring Harbour. And it was the first single he ever released from that song in the early 70s. Here he is, classic Billy Joel and She's Got Away. But I know that I can't live without her She's got a way of pleasing I don't know what it is But there doesn't have to be a reason anyway But I know that I can't live without her anyway Mr. Billy Joel, my artist of the week, and your late lunch with his first ever single from his first album. And if he plays that today at a concert, the place simply goes wild. It's timeless. More about Billy in words and song. Run about this time tomorrow afternoon. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. Yes, frogs next and late lunch. Stay with us. Did you know we have only one native frog species in Ireland? Yes, the common frog, widely dispersed and a key indicator of how clean our water environments are. There's a national frog survey happening. We need your help. Nuala Madigan from the Irish Peatland Conservation Council is with me to tell us more. Afternoon, Nuala. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining me again on the show. We want to, or you want to, get a good firm handle on the number of frogs we have in the country. They're a very important indicator, as I said there, aren't they? They are. You see, we know a lot about the frog's life cycle, so we grow up with it. Many of your listeners there this afternoon will know they lay their eggs known as frog spawn. They develop into tadpoles and then they emerge onto land. Uh, so because of this is one factor in the fact that we know a lot about their life cycle and the, sector, the second factor being that they have a very short life cycle, you know, so it all happens within a year that, uh, you know, they're emerged, they're, they're, you know, the eggs are laid and the, uh, the young froglets are emerging onto land. That changes in frog populations can indicate changes are in our environment uh, very quickly to us. 
so a good example is, uh, you know, we had frogs breeding here in, in our pond for years. All of a sudden it disappeared. And the question was why? Now, we later discovered it wasn't anything to do with uh, changes in the, you know, the chemistry of our pond. But it was more so we had a new predator in our pond, which we didn't know before. So they can indicate changes in the environment. And that's why, you know, monitoring frogs nationwide is so important. Now your survey, tell listeners how they can access it and what you're looking for. Well, it's a citizen science initiative, so everyone can get involved. All we're asking is that if you are out in your local community and you spot any stage of the frog life cycle, may it be an adult frog, may it be frog spawn, may you see tadpoles under the water or the little frog lights, which will be later on in the year, that you go onto our website, www.i. PCC, that stands for the Irish Peatland Conservation Council, .ie, and from the homepage, click on the Hop to a Frog survey. And all we're asking for is, you know, how many frogs you see. You know, you don't have to, sometimes there can be hundreds of frogs in a pond. So just to give kind of a, a rough figure in that, um, you know, what type of habitat was it? You know, were you down by a canal? Were you in a field? Were you in a woodland? Um, and just your location. So whereabouts in the country you spotted the frog. So very easy for everyone to get involved. And I encourage everybody to get involved because I absolutely love them and I love seeing the spawn at this time of the year. And they're busy at the moment. They've woken up, they're spawning now and it'll continue over the next few weeks as well. And I think the worry you just touched on there, Nuala, is, you know, if they disappear. And in my area, a number of habitats are gone because they've built houses there. It's really sad, isn't it, when that happens? It is, yeah. Ireland, the common frog is a protected species. As you mentioned at the very start there, we only have one type of frog species native in Ireland. Now, we do have three, uh, three in amphibians native in total. That would be the Natterjack toad, but they're confined to County Kerry and Wexford. And we have the smooth noose, which are found in every other county. But they don't hop like a frog and they're not as commonly seen. So we grow up knowing and looking out for frogs. There's nothing greater than a, than a young person seeing a frog for the first time but yeah changes are happening and one of the biggest drivers is possibly going to be climate change as well you know frogs depend on water for their life uh, to complete their life cycle so uh, while we have seen changes in 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 our land use down through the years i think a, a concerning one that's coming up is you know these longer potentially drier summers that we might get um you know that could affect the frogs actually reaching maturity Yes. And, you know, all information, as you say there, any sighting of an adult frog, a juvenile tadpole spawn, it all counts. You mightn't think it's so significant, but it all feeds into the Hop to It survey. And again, just to remind you, it's ipcc.ie. That's ipcc.ie. I think they're lovely. You mentioned children there. I know in the classroom, I believe, I think teachers have the one exemption. They can bring spawn to the classroom, can't they? They can, yes. So as a legally protected species, we shouldn't disturb them in in their natural habitat. So really with this project, it's really just asking for people to look at them and not to disturb the frog in any way. But there is an exemption for educational purposes where class teachers can bring the, the frog spawn into the classroom to allow the students to, um, to to record and to observe and to see the frog spawn develop, and the only uh, the only ask uh, with that exemption is is that the teachers agree to put the frog once the, the tadpoles have developed to bring them back to their original habitat where the frog spawn would have been collected. And you can learn more about that on our National Parks and Wildlife website, uh, mpws.ie. 
Yes, it's a fascinating story and education for children and part of growing up in Ireland. It has been for decades and long may that continue. Nuala, thank you so much for joining me on the show this afternoon. Delighted to highlight the survey. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Nuala Madigan there from uh, the Irish Peatland Conservation Council. The survey is called Hop To It. Let's hop to it, folks, if you see them. Fill in the information there, ipcc.ie. That's ipcc.ie for information about frogs in your area. And you'll be doing a good service uh, to the uh, to Nula and the crew there at Irish Peatland Conservation Council and uh, for their field to the uh, health of the frog population in our little country. That's it on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show And a final word there to a listener who says, check out the Netflix documentary about the making of the song We Are The World. It's terrific, Jerry. Yes, it is. I believe it is. So I'll have to look it up myself. Paul McKenna is on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. We'll be back tomorrow, 1.30 with your late lunch. But we leave you in the company of the number one song. And it has been for weeks now in the UK. It's Mr Noah Khan and Stick Season. As you promised me that I was more than all the miles combined You must have had yourself a change of heart Like halfway through the drive Because your voice trailed off exactly as you passed my exit sign It's that time of the year Your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze Relax And think about Work You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.